This is BTS with CTV Behind the Scenes, Behind the Stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver Newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos, and I'll be your guide behind the curtain, which takes us to some of the most rewarding but challenging subjects a TV news shooter can document. Animals <laughs> and children. I want to dive right into this topic with senior videographer Pete Klein. Thank you so much for being on BTS. Uh, thanks for having me. Now, you were actually the inspiration for this podcast because we did a story a few years ago, um, maybe a couple years ago now, where we interviewed someone, and honest to God, I can't remember what the story was now, but he was there with his dog. He'd been on a walk with his dog, and as we were interviewing him, uh, the dog was totally fine as we were talking until you pulled out the camera. And I remember the dog completely freaked out, and you handled it really well, set down the camera, and then we had a chat after, and you have a theory on why... Animals don't like TV news cameras. Well, going way back early in my career, I think that's true about that dog, by the way. He did freak out as soon as he saw the... And I don't know if it is about the size of it, the weird shape. But anyway, we had... I'd done a shoot earlier in my career, and it was with horses. And they would look at me fine when I was just standing around. But as soon as I brought the camera out, the horse would not, not flip out completely, but... They did not like it. And I'd ask the lady, why why is that? And she goes, well, they're prey. And they look at the lens, they see it as an eye looking at them. And there was another shoot I'd done after that. It was with Orphan Wildlife. And they they, uh, rehabilitate uh, birds of prey, eagles, hawks, owls, that sort of thing. And they had mentioned something similar, that when the eagle and the bird of prey looks at the camera... They don't like it because they, it looks like an eye looking at them. And so that they become really disoriented and they don't know how to act around it. And so they become very agitated. So that's, I don't know if that's what happened with this, this dog. As soon as you brought it out, because he was fine up until I brought it low and he saw the circle of the lens. And I don't know if it was the sun gun or the light because we were at night. It was so um, it could have been a little bit of that. But... As soon as they, I find animals see that circle of the lens, they quite often become uncomfortable. And just so that people understand, for someone who may have not have seen a TV news camera before, you don't get a sense of what that lens is like on a small point-and-shoot or even a DSLR if you have one of those at home because the lens itself, it's, it, it's like the size of a grapefruit or something. It's actually quite large. So it, it does have a lot of shine to it and curves, and it does. you can imagine how it would look to a giant eyeball to a, a poor little animal that's never seen anything like that. Yeah, and certainly like I, I can remember vividly the horse... I could see in its eyes that it was it, it was looking at the camera lens and it was just not comfortable at all. And as soon as I turned away from it, it would settle down. So, you know, you back off and okay, and it became a little more comfortable. But uh, certainly the size of it, I think, uh, maybe it is the bird of prey looking at it as another thing looking at it. And then the prey animal thinking it's something, I, I don't know. So then when you do stories with animals in general, do you try to keep a distance? Or what is your technique to try to keep them from freaking out the moment that they see that lens? Well, I think it's, you sort of go by how the animal is reacting. Some dogs, some will, you bring the camera down and they just want to lick you. And <laughs> they're, they're really cool that they don't even pay attention. But there's others, and maybe it's breed specific, I don't know, that uh, they become very agitated. So you just, uh, for me, I just play it by ear and see how the dog's acting. And uh, if they react negatively, then you move back and, and go from there. 
that brings me to uh, the camera sometimes being a magnet, and that's that was the case you and I recently had one with children as well. And kids are funny because some of them are very shy of the camera because it's often atop a tripod or we're there with the lights and all sorts of stuff. But when we went to Pitt Meadows together for an outdoor daycare a few months ago, Pete, that was one of the funnest shoots I've ever done. One of the funnest things we've ever done in our careers, I got to say. And I was amazed at these kids. We showed up at this uh, forested area next to an outdoor daycare. And the children ran up to us. They were so open. And they loved the camera. They wanted to talk to us. It was such an amazing experience. Oh, absolutely. And I find little kids, especially, you know, preschool age, when they're in a group, they play off each other. And they they become more exuberant. And it's... it's lots of fun to deal with them like that. They can be very different when they're on their own. You'll get reactions like uh, there'll be kids, uh, little jumping beans, and they'll be going crazy. I can remember we did an interview with this mom, and her daughter had been bitten by a dog. And the daughter, went, as soon as we got there, she was just bouncing up and down and crawling all over her mom. We were trying to do an interview that would normally take maybe five or eight minutes, and we'd be done. It took 20, 25 minutes trying to talk to this mom because the daughter was just going crazy because we're there. And then there's other kids. uh, Quite often we'll deal with sick kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they've been through a lot. Um, I can remember interviewing one little guy, and he didn't want anything to do with us. Mm -hmm. We were trying to interview his mom. He slammed the door and anything he could do to get away from us until we started asking him about his toys or something like that. Uh, And then they sort of open up. Um, but one of the most, uh, sorry, I'll always remember is this little guy, he was a cancer, uh, I think he had a very rare form of leukemia and he didn't really care too much. He wanted to see the camera and as soon as you show them like, oh, this is how you zoom. And he's like, oh my God, he's like a typical <laughs> boy wanting to, you know, the mechanics of it and like a truck or something like that. But as soon as he got in that rapport with him, he was he wanted just to be our buddy, you know, like I, I can remember shooting all day with him. He wore his Spider-Man outfit. He went to his treatment and he was such a little, uh, you know, trooper. Like he's been through all this treatment and stuff like that. And then at the end of the day, we'd been, he said, he just wanted me to come and put the camera down and, and go and play. Like we went out and played oh, hockey. Pete. And I'll always remember that guy. And now I, I think the reporter, she checked in and he's now like 18 or something like that. So what a beautiful story. It, it, and you get stuff like that in kids when you bond with them like that, and it's just so much fun. But that, the other little guy with, that was slamming the doors didn't want anything to do with us. And it took a lot of work just to uh, just get that little smidgen of, of you know, him to come over and say hi. Well, and you, clearly his parents felt that it was important to do whatever story it was yep. doing, you were doing at the time, but also to respect him, because they are still, they're small, but they're still people, so we need to respect their personality, and if they're uncomfortable, that's, it's part of what we do. Yep. Like I say, some are bouncing, jumping beans, and they'll go crazy, they love that you're there, but they don't know how, how to sort of rein it in and, and, and deal with all these strange people, and lights, and, and cameras, and things like that, and, uh, yeah, it's just really cool to deal with them because they're such little individuals and they're so, uh, they have such personalities. And, it's so and often fun. a lot to say. And they do have a lot to say. Once you open them up, like once they're comfortable with you, it, it, yeah, it's just really cool. I'd like to welcome Shelley Moore now for her first appearance on the podcast. Thank you so much for finally being on BTS. My pleasure. I have so much enjoyed all of your podcasts so far. 
Well, thank you. It's great to have you. And especially because we worked on such a fun story recently. <laughs> Lily, the ginger champagne cat, um, this was a kitty that uh, got into her neighbor's uh, bumper and ended up going for a drive across the lower mainland. And so we ended up talking to her owner after the SPCA got involved and was trying to track the, the cat down with the microchip, blah, blah, blah. But so we had the task, uh, you and I, of going and interviewing the owner and trying to get the cat on camera. And the owner said, oh... <laughs> Wasn't that so funny? The cat's never going to sit still. She's never, never going gonna... to come near you. Never going to come near you. She's very skittish. She just spent, you know, 24 hours in a bumper. So she's not going to be, uh, you know, particularly um, wanting the media to circle around her. So uh, she's already traumatized and she's already skittish. And so she's not coming anywhere near you guys. So sorry. But the... And I was prepared for the worst. But lo and behold, I don't know if it was because we were prepared for the cat to be standoffish. I don't know if it's because you've done so many stories with animals, but the cat was amazing. She wouldn't leave us alone. She stood there on right next to the owner during the entire interview uh, on the table, staring at us. <laughs> uh, there were treats involved, I believe, which is, you know, that's, that's fair. It doesn't hurt. That yeah. doesn't hurt, and that's fair. But the main thing, I think, was that you and I just sort of crept around very quietly. We didn't, we weren't loud, we, I wasn't clanking the, the camera around or the tripod, and then I broke out the beast grip, which uh, we were... Which, on the iPhone? On the iPhone, it's a, it's a, it's a cage that you put the, the iPhone in, and uh, it uh, has a wide-eye lens on it, and it allows you to basically use the iPhone very easily and uh, get great close-ups, and it's far less intimidating than the big camera. In It's it's basically just the size of a, an iPhone. Now, Pete talked just a few moments ago about um, the lens on, on the big camera and how some animals may see it as a, an eye, a large eye, perhaps a, as a predator or something like that, and it can be very intimidating towards them. Have you had that same experience yourself, or do you try to be a little bit further away so that there isn't that... Um, that intimacy with the lens so much with the animals well I've shot so many dogs and cats and horses over the years as a still photographer as well as uh, videography that um, it's different with every animal but I believe that what uh, with with still cameras and then of course the intimidating big cameras is it's just something that the animal uh, is not used to it's they just don't know what it is you put it up to your face it makes noise um, a lot of times when you go into situations with dogs, they're happy to see you, everybody, they're running around, they're very um, engaged, they're very aroused, and then all of a sudden you bring this thing out and you expect them to sit and be quiet and, mm -hmm. and look at the camera. And um, whether or not it's something pointing at them or the fact, just the fact that it's not right. This big metal thing is not right in front of the human's face uh, because they are so attuned to us because they have evolved over over thousands of years alongside us. And they see uh, something weird and it makes a noise. Um, every, all the stimulation, all the stimuli is just too much a lot of times. And of course, with cats, depending on their their personality, you know, that's a real hit and miss with cats and, and uh, horses as well. I mean, I always think that maybe to a lot of animals, it looks like a gun. But it is also incredibly alien, especially when they're used to being able to make eye contact with a human. They know what that interaction is going to be like, what that connection is going to be. And all of a sudden, there's something in the way. Exactly. 
yes. Yeah. Something in a way, and uh, everybody's sort of focused on them, and uh, it's just an odd kind of scenario for them to try to get a handle on, and, and therefore it can be challenging. Now, other dogs, they just sit there. Um, they may do absolutely nothing at all. Um, I've had several times police dogs have taken the, the windsock, the fluffy windsock, off of my <laughs> microphone. They've, they've deked in um, and, grabbed, uh, and grabbed the fluffy uh, windsock off my microphone and then run away with it. So it depends on the animal. But in general, you just want to be as quiet as possible, as normal as possible, and don't get them all riled up. Uh, before you start trying to either videotape them or take a still picture of them. I want to bring in Steve Saunders now. And Steve, you are an animal lover. You've got two adorable dogs of your own. So I know that the uh, the dog stories are near and dear to your heart. And you've got perhaps the most hilarious story I've ever heard involving a dog. So I want to hear the story about the dog and also how you managed to film it. Because it, when there's animals running around, they're very unpredictable. So how did you shoot this ridiculous story of a dog riding a horse? Well, this uh, this story, this was so much, it's still probably one of my favorite things I've ever done. And it came to us, my in-laws have a, a neighborhood pub, and they had a lady that came in there, and she started telling them how she was just looking at her kitchen window. This is at Maple Ridge where she lives. And she saw this horse right up to the stump, and this little Jack Russell climbs up onto the stump and jumps onto the back of the horse, and, and the horse did laps around the field with this Jack Russell on its back. Which sounds like something out of a cartoon. It sounds bizarre, and even the staff at the pub were like, are you sure you're all right? Do we need to cut you off now? The lady said she had told her husband the same thing, and he swore that she'd been at the pub all day because that's just insane. So we had to investigate it. We go out there, and sure enough, there's a young girl who was teaching um, riding and things like that out in that area, and she had this little little Jack Russell, Guinevere was his name, and it just wanted to be with her all the time. So she would put her up in the lap, in her lap when she's riding, and the, the horse was comfortable with it, and uh, so was this little little Jack Russell. And then it got to the point where the dog loved it so much that it would just start going up onto the stump on its own when the, the girl wasn't there. And the horse would, you know, they're like buddies, so it would come along, and the horse would uh, let it jump up in the back, and they'd do laps. And sure enough, we get up there to do this story, and it did it on cue, on its own, by itself, and it was the funniest thing we'd ever seen. And years later, when I'm living in Australia, that story, like all great animal stories, go everywhere. I had people in Australia say, yeah, I know that story. I've seen that story. And I thought, that's the other side of the world. But people love animal stories. It's like the water skiing squirrel. You just can't forget it. That's true, exactly. And, th- and this thing is, and those sort of stories are fun to do. And I think they're the kind of things that people talk about at water coolers more. And they, you know, it resonates with a lot of people because most people are animal lovers. So then, how do you put together a story like that? I mean, obviously, the reporter um, is going to write the story, but how do you provide them with the material, with the sound and the video? What are you focusing on for something like that? Like, do you focus on on the dog's face, or do you focus? What it? What is it that you try to kind of? Um, zero in on just to kind of try to make the viewer feel like they're there well we Alison Vushnik who is a reporter this is back in the Vancouver television days and VTV days she did a great job but what really helped with this story was that the dog would do it on cue all the time it wasn't like quick get a shot because it's not going to happen anymore this dog would ride around all day on the back of that horse and the horse was quite happy for it to do it so that enabled us to get wide shots and close-ups and tracking shots right alongside it 
And with all those pictures, it makes it easier for a reporter to write to it because she's got lots of, you know, sequences of the same thing happening again and again. And uh, the young girl that was doing the... Uh, the whose horse and dog it was. She was did a great interview for us as well. So it really all kind of fell into place because you could keep doing the same thing again and again. A lot of problems with filming stuff, especially with, you know, W.C. Fields used to say, never work with kids and animals. <laughs> and the biggest problem with that is the continuity because they're always moving all over the place. This really fell into place because we could do it again and again from a bunch of different angles, and it really suited uh, a nice little story. Now, as Pete mentioned, um, some animals, uh, he's had issues with horses and dogs uh, with the lens because they see it as a giant eye. In this case, were you filming from a distance to avoid having any conflict and to just get that natural lightheartedness, or or were you able to get quite close to those animals? We were quite close. Again, it it speaks more to the temperament of the horse and the dog, but I was right alongside them, and and it was totally, it was just more happy about being on the back of the horse and doing (laughs) laps. It didn't care about me. They were both... Uh, they were really good that way. So it was easy to get in and get lots of close shots and lots of different angles. So it worked out well. Pete, I think one of the hallmarks of a really great camera person and how I can often tell that you've shot a story is you don't just um, get video of a child or a small animal. You go and you try to get to their eye level. And I feel like we see the world from their perspective when we get down low, when we're not looking down on them like adults or or like, you know, we're above them somehow. But when you get down close to them, I, I think it's such a powerful storytelling device. Well, and it's such a different angle, too, because as an adult, you, you live at, you know, five feet high. And when you get down, it's, it, it is really when you look through the camera, you go, wow, I didn't know I could see this angle. Or, yeah, those toys are really cool down here. I'm going to come <laughs> and play with you. Because <laughs> we all really are kids. But, um, yeah, it's just such a different world when you go down there, it, down like at that level. It's so different. And the engagement with with your subject when you get down to their level, it feels like they can sense too that you're you're interested in the way that they're seeing things and what they have to say, and you you can get into their face and get really quite close in a way that is it just feels like you're intimate and it's more of like a, rep, a relationship of equals as opposed to looking down. Yeah, because if they're dealing with mom and dad all the time, maybe they're always looking up. So if you come down to their level, absolutely, they they really will engage you and and sort of bring you into their world. So it's it's really good. Steve, you had another story where not only were you dealing with wild animals, but you were filming this story on a boat, so doubly challenging as a cameraman. Uh, tell me about this uh, very special shoot that uh, it's it's one of your, it sounds like it's one of your most memorable stories you've ever done. It was pretty powerful in its impact, and uh, the gist of it was that there was a, uh, off the Indian Ocean in south of Perth in Australia, there was a young guy that went out and he realized that there was a pod of dolphins that were in the bay in where he lived. And he spent about seven or eight months getting them used to the fact that he could go out there in his little you know, little motorboat kind of thing. And eventually he'd start swimming. And they were very reticent at first to get close to him, but they eventually got closer and closer to the point where he could actually swim with them and they'd swim around him. And then he started bringing out people in small groups and, of course, eventually became, you know... Uh, a, big, a bigger boat for tourists to go out there and there might be 20 odd people out in the boat and not everybody could swim the, with them but he would go in there with two or three people and, and, and off they'd go so the channel that I was working for at the time we wanted to do a story in this because it's, it's, it's always those kind of stories are always good this was a group of people who had children who were uh, autistic with a lot of um, 
you know, social kind of things. The, the, when we first got to the to the boat, we're ready to go out there, and there's a young guy. The dad is taking his, his sandals off, and he's just walking along the shoreline. And I guess the cold water just really got to this little guy. He's about five or six, and he starts screaming. And we're going, my God, we're never going to be able to get the story done because we're going to have this kid screaming and everybody else screaming. How are we ever going to get those natural sound-up things you like to get? And he, like water splashing and the boat motor or whatever else, people chatting, they're excited, that kind of good stuff. Exactly, because with the screaming, it's all you're going to hear. So we do go out in the boat, and uh, we get to the place where the dolphins are, and sure enough, they, they'll come up to uh, this fellow that, that had can, you know, got them used to him. And he, and he did it naturally, too, by the way. He never fed them or anything like that. There's all just a natural condition for, for the interaction. So he takes this little guy. The screamer. He goes out with him, and he has a motorized little uh, thing to get around the water, and the dolphins are swimming around him. Now, this little guy was not vocal. He, his dad said that he just didn't really talk. He just rarely ever said anything. He just let you know if he's happy or he's upset, and those are the kind of two things he dealt with. He comes back to the boat, and he's about to hand him up to the dad, and the dad said, Was that fun? Are you okay? Want to come out now? And the little guy goes, More! And the Aww. father... He just he just about lost it. So of course they put him back in the water, and he goes out, and the dolphins swirl around him, swim around him, and, and they're out there. But it was amazing, and there's two or three other kids as well that you, we had seen a profound difference that they had had because they kept doing this a number of times. The healing therapy or the healing thing that animals bring, especially wild animals with children who have disabilities or you know they're they're affected in different ways that they can't relate the way most people do. It's amazing the calmness that comes over those kids. And that's what we had to witness that day, which was such a privilege. And so how did you film these interactions? Because the boat's moving. It's not like, it, I mean, did you have a tripod on the boat or was it mostly handheld? How did you try to document this emotional, visually rich kind of story with all these sounds? How how were you able to technically do that? You just have to wing it. And you can't really use a tripod, especially out on the open ocean like that, because the boat's going to be, you'll be stable, but it'll just, it'll make people seasick looking at it. So you have to kind of just do everything handheld and try to float with the waves and interact with them to keep it as steady as you can. Um, We were able to do that kind of stuff because it wasn't far from the boat. So I was able to film all this, all these kind of things from there anyway. And of course, we did interviews on the boat um, with the father and and the, the fellow that had set this all up to begin with. So we're able to do it, but it's a, it's one of those kind of things where you're on a boat and, you know, it's not going to be completely smooth and easy going, but uh, the story carried it probably more than what uh, any lack of visuals in terms of super steady shots would have been. Well, I imagine watching the story, the last thing that people probably thought about is how maybe wobbly the shot was on the boat because it would have just been such an emotional thing to see. It was very impactful. It, like to, It's one of my favorite stories because you saw the power of that connection and to see that little kid that was screaming that we thought this is no hope for this story and to see him so happy and calm and actually vocalizing at the end was amazing the most extreme reaction that i ever had to the camera the, the tv camera was uh, was a dog out in the valley we went out to do a story on a uh, a family where the daughter had donated her kidney to her dad and saved his life and they sort of lived in a little smaller rural uh, place, uh, like an acreage, and we drove up, and the dog was oh so happy to see all of us, very, very happy to see us, um, and uh, the reporter got out, and I got out, and then I took the camera out, and the dog instantly changed, and 
I know dogs fairly well, and I know when they are thinking about biting. And this dog was really thinking about biting me. Wow, just from pulling out the camera. Camera, the tripod, and it started to circle me. It was uh, barking, low barking, uh, growling. Its hackles were up. It was circling and circling and circling. And I thought, I'm going to get bit. I, I think I'm going to get bit. But I, you know, I had the tripod sort of out in front of me. Uh, and I asked the owner if he would please confine the dog or get the dog onto a leash. And um, I think that, I mean, that didn't happen. Um, the dog uh, kind of settled down a little bit. We kept going. I went into the house. And by the end, I had made friends with the dog. I had sat down with it, and uh, it wound up being fine. But that dog reacted to that camera uh, and the other gear in a really, really uh, aggressive way. And that's just the way it is. I mean, ultimately, if it had gone sideways, I would have just put the, the camera away and, and, and stopped the shoot because clearly I, I, I don't want to get bit. Well, of course not. It's, it's, no job is worth getting hurt in the first place. But I also just wanted to um, draw attention to the fact that you've done a lot of really poignant stories with animals as well. I'm thinking Saints Rescue. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of... It, it's just really emotional videography and how, how do you capture the essence of these animals that seem tired, but they seem kind? Like, I, I feel like your videography, I really get a sense of the animal's personality. And I just, what's your secret, Shelley? Tell me your secret. The secret is to, uh, it can't be done quickly. You, in a place like Saints, which is a sanctuary and mission for uh, senior and special needs animals, in a place like that, they they have to have time. There's a lot of animals there. They have to have time to get used to you. Uh, so it's not something that can be hurried. You need to be almost, uh, it's called fly on the wall um, shooting um, or cinematography, documentary style. You really try to be as understated and almost invisible as you can. And you get to know the animal first. You put the camera down. You stroke the animal. You look into its eyes. You hear its story. You basically, you just, you want to see how it lives. You want to see it in its natural environment, almost like wildlife. You want to see it sleeping lying on its bed, playing in a field, interacting with its owners. Um, And you can't do that quickly. You have to let things settle so that when you do bring out the camera, it's not as big a deal. I think, though, that it's also your demeanor. I I think that anybody could go in and just sit and watch the animal and and take their time and, and, you know, tick off all the boxes. But I think there's just something about your demeanor and your warmth towards them that also helps lend to that style of storytelling and being able to capture that essence as well. Well, I hope so, because I love them. For me, it's a treat. You know, I get to pet them. I get to give them treats. I get to get down on the ground with them. And then I get to document their lives and their stories. And that is about as good as it gets for me. Pete, just to wrap up, a lot of the work that we do is, for lack of a better phrase, doom and gloom. Uh, It's a lot of um, fatal incidents. It's a lot of political news. So when you get stories or assignments where you can do something with children, with the outdoor daycare or something where you are telling a story involving an animal, is that something that you look forward to as opposed to kind of the daily grind that we often deal with? Absolutely. Uh, Kids can be so much fun. I don't have kids myself, but dealing with them 
I am a big kid. I love to go. <laughs> if you have the opportunity to go play with some trucks, I'm I'm uh, all about that. But it, it absolutely it can brighten your day, and and it just makes you smile to deal with them, and uh, cool to see the little people and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it, it it is a good thing to do for sure. Not to mention the creativity to be able to get yeah. those different angles and sounds and, and think about things a little differently. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, y- y- you have to think like a kid sometimes. And uh, what would he do? Oh, he's going to run over there. Okay, I got to beat him over there because he's. I got to get there before he does, and to get d- different pictures of him doing his thing. So you kind of have to think ahead a little more, and and yeah, it's lots of fun. I want to thank Pete, Steve, and Shelley for being on the pod this week, and thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daphos.